1: Welcome back to The Zone, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. You can always send me an email, exxon at TV.com On all social media sites, we're radio TV, And you can find out what's going on, what has gone on, and what will be going on here on the radio show by going to www.exxonradio.com. Thomas Carey is our special guest this hour. Anyone who has any interest at all in UFOs knows Thomas. Uh, he's a native Philadelphian, holds degrees from Temple University in bachelor, uh, bachelor of Science in Business Administration and California State Sacramento, a Master of Arts in Anthropology. Also attended Toronto's uh, the University of Toronto's Ph.D. program in Anthropology, an Air Force veteran who held a top-secret crypto-clearance, Tom is now a retired Philadelphia area businessman. He has been a member of the Mutual UFO Network and a state section director for Southwestern or sorry southeastern Pennsylvania from 1986 to 2001, a special investigator for the J Allen Hynek Center of, for UFO Studies from 1991 to 2001, and a member of the CUFO's board of directors from 1997 to 2001. Tom began investigating aspects of the Roswell incident in 1991 for the Roswell investigation team of Kevin Randall and Don Schmidt, and since 1998 has teamed exclusively with Don Schmidt to continue a proactive investigation of the case. Tom has authored and co-authored more than 40 published articles about the Roswell events of 1947, and has contributed to a number of books on the subject as well. Now, he's appeared... As a guest on many radio and TV shows throughout the country, including Art Bell's Coast to Coast with Art Bell and George Nuri, Fox and Friends, Comcast Network, Friends, and Larry King Live. It has contributed to a number of Roswell-related documentaries on screen and behind the scenes. Tom was a consultant and interviewee on the highly acclaimed and rated 2002 two-hour sci-fi channel documentary, the Roswell Crash, startling new evidence, and I could go on and on and on. But I'd rather bring Tom on the show right now to talk to him about what he has been doing since he last joined us here in the excellent And Tom, welcome back. Great having you with us.
3: Nice to be. Excuse me. Nice to be with you, Rob.
1: So tell me, what have you been doing since uh, you and I last chatted a couple of years ago?
3: I think uh, a couple of years ago we were talking about our latest book at the time was Witness to Roswell, second edition. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, Rob, uh, we published a book in uh, 2013 called uh, Inside the Real Area 51, The Secret History of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which uh, if you're a Roswell buff, you know that that's where all of the wreckage and the bodies were taken from the 1947 crash. So we sort of picked up the story at that point for that book. And uh, this year, uh, two, about two months ago, we published it, uh, came out uh, our latest book called The Children of Roswell, The Seven Decade uh, Legacy of Fear, Intimidation, and Cover-Ups. So we've been quite busy. Sure have uh, researching the book, and as you know, uh, uh, from writing books, uh, when you when you write a book, there's a lot involved besides just the writing. And uh, so right now, I'm sort of in the lee of finishing the book and uh, my income tax for uh, 2015.
1: <laughs> it is that time of year, isn't it? Yes. Tom, you and I have to take a commercial break. Please stand by. Once again, thank you very much for joining us. Always a great pleasure talking to you. Exxonation, Nation, Tom Ascari is our special guest, and we'll continue with Tom on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. The Exxon is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we come to you Monday through Friday On the Mutual Broadcast Network, the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and across Europe, and other parts of the world, on the Digital Satellite Network. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Tom Carey is our very special guest this hour. Uh, we were talking earlier to Tom about what he was doing since he last was here in the Zone, and he's got a couple of new books. The Children of Roswell, a seven-decade legacy of fear, intimidation, and cover-up was, uh, is out this year. And then uh, in 2013, Inside the Real Area 51, The Secret History of Wright-Patterson. Now, if you'd like more information on Tom, his website is roswellinvestigator.com Tom, are we any closer to getting to the bottom of the disclosure when it comes to what really happened at Roswell?
3: If you mean official disclosure by the government, uh, my my answer is no. Uh, I have always stated that there, there will be no disclosure from the United States government. Uh, they have too much to uh, keep hidden in the way of uh, illegal behavior and uh, the fact that they've been lying to the American public for almost 70 years now about uh, about UFOs. It started with Roswell mm-hmm. and has continued uh, until, uh, until this day. Now, Rob, I remember... Uh, going back as far as the 1960 presidential election that was uh, uh, JFK and uh, LBJ the um, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson and John F. Kennedy right. uh, ran for president and vice president in 1960 and I remember distinctly uh, Lyndon Johnson in the in the lead up to the election talking about how, he, if, if they were elected, they were going to release information, the files about UFOs, and uh, uh, once they were elected, the subject never came up again. Uh, and this seems to be the pattern with uh, uh, presidential politics. Uh, uh, Jimmy Carter, in 1976 or 77, Um, I remember I was in Toronto at the time. Uh, He had uh, said that uh, he was going to release startling disclosures. That was the term, startling disclosures about UFOs uh, when he got into office. And uh, it never happened. Never heard any more about it. Uh, Ronald Reagan did mention UFOs in a speech, I think it was before the United Nations, where he talked about uh, uniting the world in, uh, in the uh, case of a, if there was a, an attack upon the nations of the earth from, from someone off the planet. That's as close as we ever came to presidential politics and actually talking about UFOs w- when you have a president. Now, ironically, uh, Bill Clinton, when he was president, um, actually this was a, let's see. He left office in uh, 1998, so this was after he left office. Uh, he was given a copy of our book, Witness to Roswell, personally hand-delivered by uh, Paul David's, who whose father was Bill Clinton's uh, history professor at Georgetown University. And uh, Paul Davids wrote the foreword to our first book, well, Witness to Roswell. And he hand delivered the book to Bill Clinton. Now, since then, Bill Clinton has been asked several times by various people about Roswell. Mm-hmm. Did it really happen? And it it sounds to me like uh, Bill Clinton never read our book because he was, uh, he said, no, he, he didn't think anything happened. And uh, if anything happened, he'd. He'd want to know. Well, if he read our book, he would have known what happened. Well, ironically, Hillary Clinton, this year, running for president, yeah. has mentioned several times on the air, on uh, uh, videotaped uh, interviews, that she's interested in UFOs. That uh, she's, if, if elected, she will uh, look into the Roswell, not the Roswell, UFO files. Right. And see if there's anything to it. She says there may, may be something to it, and we may have already been visited. And that's the term that struck with me, because it means it means to me that she read our book.
1: You know, <laughs> last night on CNN they were having a debate, and uh, you know this is all after Donald Trump has become the official presumptive uh, candidate for the Republican Party, and uh, there were several on the debate on CNN, and one of them said, what are we going to do? Talk about aliens, landing, and, uh, you know, all the... Steering. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. You know, like, why is it taken so lightly? You know, I'm, It's I'm, a
3: taboo subject. It, it, it's, a ta- it's still a taboo subject uh, in the mainstream media. I'm not talking about uh, cable TV, mm-hmm. where there's plenty of information about it, but it's a taboo subject, Rob, from... The 1950s, when you had the contactees come come forward with their cockamamie stories about being driven around the solar system by our space brothers.
1: I must admit that over the years doing this show, I've had the the occasion to meet many people, Tom. A few of them I met while they were wearing tin foil on their head,
3: <laughs>
1: and then I I meet and talk to people like Travis Walton. You know, and, and then you talk to the investigators like yourself, Kevin Randall. Then you talk to the UFO hunters who, like the ghost hunters, want to do it for the fame and the glory. How little they know about that. <laughs> and, and, you know, there are times when it seems like it's nothing more than a lot of funk. But there are times when I speak to you. I speak to Kevin. Kevin. I speak to Travis, and you know what—the sincerity and the honesty that comes across—I I just shake my head and say, "Why is this information being suppressed?"
3: It's a—that that is a good question. Uh, back in back in 1947, there may have been sound reasons to suppress it, at least for a while. Sure. Uh, the Cold War had just begun with the Soviet Union. Um, the, the famous uh, World War, not World War, but War of the Worlds radio broadcast was still fresh in many people's minds. And uh, the, the Air Force had, had no antecedents. They, they had no, no prior history with anything like this. to Had to handle it And uh, you can understand that until they got a hold of what they had and developed a plan of action for uh, analyzing it and uh, controlling it, they said, well, let's, uh, we're going to, we got to cover this up, uh, at least for now, because we can't let the people know that we don't know what we're doing on this. And we certainly don't want the Soviets to, to get a hold of any technology that they might be able to exploit because the world has changed uh, uh, since World War II. So there, there were some, uh, I believe, uh, some sound reasons. But the question then is, why is it still today covered up? And there, there are a number of reasons for it. One, I believe it's because of inertia. It's always been covered up, so it just keeps on going with a, with a life of its own. Uh, there's there's no public mandate to release the files to to have another congressional hearing on this that's meaningful. They had one they had one back in 1968 that lasted all of one day, um, but the subject there is uh, is taboo to professional people. I'm talking about uh, doctors, lawyers, politicians. Anybody in the public eye whose livelihood depends on their credibility, credibility, their believability, they want to get as far away of the subject of UFOs as possible. They don't want their names mm-hmm. anywhere near mentioned in the same paragraph, let alone the same sentence as a, the term UFO. So that's why it's still covered up. Uh, there's uh, m- most notably there's there's no there's no uh, public out- outcry for it. Uh, you know we we can talk because we, we we're interested in the subject. We're not interested in the people who wear wear uh, tinfoil on their heads. We're interested in what actually happened, and uh, should this be released, mm-hmm. absolutely. And uh, I you know I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, we're we're we're. Conditioned uh, today that most people Even skeptics will agree that there is Statistically at least other life in the universe, other intelligent life In the universe right. in so many other galaxies and planets And what have you, there has to be other life out there That the big divide mm-hmm. comes when you start suggesting uh, As Hillary did, that the uh, other intelligent life out there may have visited us. And I certainly believe that they have, uh, uh, at least in 1947, when one of their 1947 models crashed. So, uh, and there's been a lot, you know, as you know, ever since. Sure. So the subject has not gone away. And, uh, but would there be a... Uh, collapse of our financial institutions our religious institutions would people panic in the streets like they did in 1938 with for or the war the World world's yeah. radio broadcast I highly doubt it I agree and uh, I, I think it I think actually uh, knowledge that uh, there is other life out there proof some sort of proof would be uh, would be welcomed that's that's my own opinion
1: and I agree with it, and I know a number of other people that share your opinion, uh, Tom. Do you think that, let me ask you this, why isn't Hillary being held with her heels to the fire, or the coals, uh, after the statement she made about UFOs? How come nobody nobody just nailed her on that and said, what do you mean?
3: I'll tell you why. And it's a, I, I believe it's a political reason. Uh, if If uh, Donald Trump had said it or any Republican had said it, they would be held to the fire. Uh, Hillary Clinton is, uh, the mainstream media, the mainstream media is supporting her. So they they want to do everything they can Hmm. not to embarrass her. So they just let that, uh, they just let that pass. Uh, She said it. uh, I was very interested in it. Uh, she sounded sincere that she was, uh, it's clear she's interested in UFOs, the subject of UFOs, going back to the uh, mid-90s. All right, Tom, I,
1: I, I've got to cut you off here, my friend. I've got to take my news break at the bottom of the hour, Exonation. Tom Carey's our special guest. Visit him online, www.roswellinvestigator.com. We'll both be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Mutual Broadcast Network, the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Radio Network, and across Europe on the digital satellite.
2: From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more, wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a news flash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at ChurchesCare.com. At ChurchesCare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. ChurchesCare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit ChurchesCare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you.
1: Network. If you'd like to find out more information about our guest this hour, Tom Carey, his website is Roswell Investigator. Com. Tom, in your opinion, what is the smoking gun when it comes to the Roswell case?
3: Well, the smoking gun as we have it, uh, uh, it will, we don't have like a the search for a piece of physical evidence. We'd love to have a piece of physical evidence. We don't have it. That would be the smoking gun. But in lieu of that, the smoking gun is the Ramey Memo. Now the uh, there, there could be another one, I'm leaving one out, uh, but the, right now the Ramey Memo comes to mind. That is a, a piece of paper that, uh, it's a telex that General Roger Ramey was holding in his hand at the press conference where they they said that the Uh, Roswell crash was not that of a extraterrestrial spaceship or interplanetary as the term they used back then, but it was a weather balloon. And uh, at that press conference in his office there were seven pictures taken by uh, photographer, uh, six by uh, J. Bon Johnson and one by someone else whose name escapes me. But uh, Four of the pictures, two of the pictures were of Jesse Marcel kneeling beside a weather balloon and the tinfoil radar target. Four pictures were of General Ramey, two by himself and two with his adjutant, uh, uh, Colonel Thomas Jefferson DuBose. Now, if you had all those four four pictures of Ramey, you could pick out which one was taken first, second, third, and fourth by how many creases, how how many times the telex he held in his hand was folded. Hmm. Uh, The the one the one picture that is of use to us today and I'm sure Ramey never thought of this back in 1947 is the fourth picture taken and it's obvious to me that between the third and fourth pictures he tried to take a quick read of of the telex that he was holding in his hand because it was folded up and uh, you can almost picture uh, uh, J. Bon Johnson saying okay general now I want you to kneel down with Thomas DuBose uh, in front of the weather balloon and he's got the telex in his hand and the part that he was reading is facing out towards the camera. I'm sure he didn't realize that because everything is you know happening so quickly and uh, so they, he, uh, so the picture's taken. Well, in the early 90s, uh, Don Schmidt and Kevin Randall had, uh, I think it was Richard Haynes, Dr. Richard Haynes, uh, look into, try to, to let, maybe we can read that memo. Let's try to read that memo. Now, this is before personal computers and, and photographic software. And so he used basically a magnifying device and uh, maybe he picked out a couple letters, that was it. So not, not really successful. Well, later on, in the late 90s and early 2000s, uh, a fellow by the name of David Rudiak out in California, now we have computers and software, and he's a professional optometrist uh, on top of that. He's able to decipher a lot of the memo and I'll tell you this Rob uh, before I ever heard of Dave Rudiak mm-hmm. I got my own copy of the the uh, Ramey memo. Stan Friedman had uh, scanned copies of it down there at the University of Texas at Arlington. Uh, he scanned copies of it and, and had, had them for sale on a disc so I bought one. It was, I think, it was twenty-five dollars. And uh, uh, so I plugged the, din- the disc into my computer, and I swear to God, within ten seconds of pulling up that memo, I was able to read the following. And th- the first line that I could read said, "And the victims of the wreck you forwarded to the." And next line blah, blah, at Fort Worth, Texas. Within 10 seconds, I was able to read that. And uh, other, other things that were read uh, are uh, the word disk can be read. Uh, Weather balloons would make blah, 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 blah. Uh, the next day can be read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's clear it's, it's, it's about the, the Roswell incident, that they had forward some wreckage, to Fort Worth, uh, where Ramy was uh, headquartered, he was he was command of the Eighth Air Force, to which the 509th Bomb Group in Roswell was attached. And so they're talking about the what was sent the day before, and uh, uh, they're talking about a wreck. Now, what kind of a wreck? To me, means the crash of some sort of uh, structured device, not, exactly. a, not a rubber balloon. Right. And a rubber balloon doesn't leave the kind of wreckage that Jesse Marcel talked about. So uh, to answer your question, uh, the Ramey memo comes to mind. Plus, uh, I, I guess I wouldn't call this a smoking gun, but we have, we have uh, approximately 625 witnesses who have given us a piece of the puzzle. Now, they, they all don't know. I mean, none of them knows the, the true story. the the whole story. They only know their little piece like putting a little, a big puzzle together with little pieces. So um, I would say the Ramey Memo. Also, one of our associates uh, by the name of Anthony Bregaglia in Florida has followed the wreckage trail. What became of the wreckage? And he was able to uncover several reports uh, indicating that the Air Corps, later the Air Force, farmed out some wreckage to the Battelle Memorial Institute in Columbus, Ohio, to try to back engineer, reverse engineer, the memory metal. Now, the memory metal is, uh, I'm sure you know what that is, that's the most famous type of uh, metal that was discovered with the, with the Roswell crashes. You can wad it up in your hand scrunch it up, open your hand, it'll unfurl by itself and just sort of float there in the air and just gently float down to a flat surface where it, uh, where it has no creases. You can't cut it, scratch it, do anything to it. And uh, so he, he traced that to uh, Battelle Memorial Institute. Mm-hmm. And later on, uh, they, after they were able to back-engineer it to some degree, it it was announced to the public that the uh, that the military had uh, created a new alloy called Nitinol, that's spelled N-I-T-I-N-O-L, like uh, nickel titanium and uh, the L uh, the N-O-L stands for Naval Ordnance Lab, which actually made the announcement. So. It's our best attempt at uh, recreating the memory metal from the Roswell crash. It's not its not as good as the original, but mm-hmm. it's our best attempt. It's uh, uh, also called self-morphing metal, morphing metal. And uh, it's used in the space program. It's used in, I mean, you can pull it up on your internet. It, you can buy it by the roll, by the sheet, by the tube. It's uh, bendable. It it go, it goes back to its original shape, but it's you know not not quite as good as the the uh, original from the crash. But it's uh, pretty good.
1: Maybe you can help me understand something, Tom. Over the years, um, you know, one one part of the Roswell case has always baffled me, and that is when. Jesse Marcel went to the crash site scene, collected some of the debris. Instead of going right back to the base to maintain the chain of custody, he went to his house. Let his family touch the material, breaking the chain of evidence. Why did he do that?
3: Well, I'm sure I'm sure he was not think he was not thinking chain of custody. He was thinking, "Oh my god, there's, I've got something here that uh, probably uh, my family, uh, you know, my kid, uh, Jesse Jr., was 11 yeah. years old. Uh, I want to show them this in the but, world because they'll never be able to see it again. But
1: what what does that tell us about his 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 his, his sense of duty when he broke with proper decorum?
3: I uh, like I said, Rob. I just I don't think he was thinking. At that time, it's like 2 a.m. in the morning, he's driving back right. from uh, the deep in the desert. He's got a 42 Buick full of uh, wreckage of strange material mm-hmm. that Jesse Jr. told us that his father, right from the get-go, believed it was from a flying saucer. He believed that right away, and uh, he wanted to show his family. Now, I would tell you this, Rob, that uh, if that was the only material... Mm-hmm that was found certainly the chain of custody was broken but there was a whole there was a whole sheep pasture full of it i
1: okay? i i understand I, underst- I understand that but the but the fact being that here you have uh, a base intelligence officer who did something that was blatantly wrong and yet he's held as a hero by the ufo community I don't understand that.
3: Well, he's held as a hero because uh, uh, without him, there's no. Uh, we, we would not be talking tonight. But why do we believe him? Because there's so much corroborating evidence. There's so much corroborating evidence in the all the wreckage that was found, the bodies that were found. Okay. Uh, we don't need. We don't need uh, Jesse Marcel to save the save the story for us.
1: But where's where where is the wreckage then? If, there, if, if there's so much of it, you know, and you, we don't well, need... Well,
3: it was taken to Wright, Wright-Patterson. Okay. And uh, there was also uh, accounts that some of it went to Alamogordo, where White Sands mm-hmm. was. Some of it went to Los Alamos. But the bulk of it went to Wright-Patterson. And we have witnesses, firsthand witnesses, mm-hmm. all along the the, uh, the timeline on that. From the, from the crash site to Roswell to Fort Worth to uh, Wright-Patterson. So we have witnesses right. all along the, the trail.
1: But how come none of this material has has shown up somewhere?
3: Well, the uh, number one, the, the uh, Air Force, or Air Corps, as they were called then, mm-hmm. uh, they scrubbed the desert floor. They scrubbed the desert floor of every piece that they could find. Now, out in that area, I've been there many times. Right. Uh, you get very high winds, uh, blustery winds. So anything very light is going to be blown miles away. Mm-hmm. But they were So they cleaned up everything that they could see. But I'm, I'm sure that there are pieces out there uh, miles away. But the, if they're ever found, it's uh, by accident. It'll be like a needle in a haystack.
1: All right, let me ask you this, okay?
3: All right.
1: Let me ask you this. The fact that Marcel went home two o'clock in the morning, woke up his son and wife because he believed he had pieces of a UFO in his vehicle. The fact that you said that you know he had a, in in the Buick. You know he had he had tons of this stuff, and then there was still the debris at the crash site. Why didn't he keep a piece?
3: Well, he did.
1: And what happened to it?
3: He uh, he kept a piece, and uh, we got this from uh, I guess we got it from uh, Jesse Jr. Mm-hmm. and or Sheridan Cabot, who he went out to the site with. Right had a piece that, uh, Cavett and, uh, and Marcel were good friends. They, they played, uh, cars, their families got together all the time. And, uh, uh, there's a story that, uh, uh, the, the two families were together and Cavett and Marcel senior went into the kitchen with a piece of this stuff mm-hmm. and they were, they put it at a, Cooking pot. They put it in a pot, trying to heat it up to see if they could do something with it to to make it uh, uh, melt or or deform in some way permanently. Mm-hmm. And they then they couldn't do it. And uh, according to um, uh, now, it's either Jesse Jr. or or Cabot's wife. We got this from right that uh, when they came out of the kitchen, they didn't have it. Well, years later. When uh, Schmidt was talking to Mrs. Cabot, uh, Sheridan Cabot was still alive, and uh, she was she would often say things when uh, Sheridan was out of the room, like "Oh, you know, he really did. Mm-hmm. He was uh, very conscientious and blah 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 blah." Well, Sheridan Cabot butts in. Did you ever try looking under that patio in the back of the house? So you put two and two together. That uh, they had this piece when they went in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. They come out of the kitchen, they don't have it anymore. And he's he's suggesting that they put it underneath the patio that had been recently poured. Well, we tried several times to number one buy that house, but we always missed out on it because the plan is to break up that patio just to, mm-hmm. to, to see if that you, uh, you know if it's really under there. Right and uh, so we missed out on it. We also tried to, we offered to, uh, to the, one of the owners, it's been sold several times, we offered to one of the owners that if, we, if they would let us break up it's now, the patio is now inside the house as, as the floor of the family room and uh, we said we would like to break up this floor and we, we will put back a floor that was better than before but they, they didn't go for that. So it's still there awaiting. Uh, I hope it's not Geraldo's uh, uh, Capone <laughs> safe, but uh, uh, it's still there uh, tantalizing us all these years, uh, Rob. So uh, that's that story. Uh, yes, he did keep a piece, and we think he uh, might have put it underneath the patio.
1: All right, stand by, Tom. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Own Nation, Tom Carey our special guest. His website is www.roswellinvestigator.com. And Tom and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, X-Zone Nation, starting Monday, May the 16th, the X-Zone. Instead of being on from 8 p.m. until midnight, we're going to be on from 6 p.m. until 10 p.m. I am Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We're coming to you from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Exonation. Nation, uh, Tom Carries our special guest uh, this hour, www.roswellinvestigator.com. First of all, Tom, always great talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us here tonight in the Exxon. Um, my
3: pleasure, Rob. Always my pleasure.
1: But I do have one. You and I were talking during the commercial break about that piece of tin foil or that piece of evidence that may be in that uh, that now family room room. Uh, and you have tried successfully with others to to purchase the house you know even offer to break up the floor and put in a better floor is it possible that one of the families or that bought the house did so under the guise of of civilians when it might have actually been members of the air force who were able to go in and successfully extract that piece of evidence that you're seeking for
3: that's, uh, that's an interesting scenario, Rob. I never thought of that, but it's entirely possible. I don't, I don't think so, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know anything is possible, yeah. uh, especially the, the behavior that the Air Force has uh, demonstrated in this whole mm-hmm. Roswell saga. I would not put it past them, but uh, I do not think that has happened, uh, to be honest with you.
1: Tom, we've got about uh, two minutes left. What are your final words to the Exxon Nation tonight when it comes to the Roswell crash of 1947 and ufology in general?
3: Well, the, uh, we, Don Schmidt and I are still on the case. Uh, as, I, I, as I explained to you uh, off uh, air, mm-hmm. uh, the one missing piece in this uh, whole saga to nail it down would be a piece of physical evidence. Most notably, the the so-called memory medal, because you can demonstrate that right away for somebody that, that we don't have anything. We have something close to it, but not not uh, not as good as it uh, uh, as the original. Uh, so we're still looking for more witnesses. We're we found three new ones this year, uh, and we're on the case till the last witness uh, talks. We're or we croak, something like that. The, uh, the witness, Uf- I'm sorry, as the as witness far as UFOs. Is, yeah. uh, you know, there are a lot of good cases out there, but they don't seem to be, you know, like Phoenix Lights is mm-hmm. a good case. Uh, Travis Walton is a good case. Um, uh, Brownsville, Texas, uh, 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 Stevensville, Texas, yeah. a few years ago was a good case. But, you know, you think, oh my goodness, there's the case. There And nothing happens. Nothing happens. Now we have Hillary Clinton uh, talking about uh, opening uh, the UFO file. Maybe there's a possibility there. I don't know. But uh, there doesn't, uh, you and I are interested in UFOs. We think there's really something to it. But there's no public mandate to uh, get to the bottom of it. Because of all the troubles in the world, I believe. Uh, uh, the, the subject of UFOs is not on uh, any politician's list.
1: Tom, as always, great talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. And ExoNation, um, if you'd like to find out more about Tom, visit his website, www.roswellinvestigator.com. Tom, until the next time we meet, take care of yourself, and uh, thanks once again for joining us.
3: Thank you, Rob. Good night, Tom. Bye.
1: ExoNation, Tom Carey was our special guest this hour, and um, Tom is the Roswell Investigator. He has a couple of new books out with Donald Schmidt, The Children of Roswell, A Seven-Decade Legacy of Fear, Intimidation, and Cover-Up, and Inside the Real Area 51, The Secret of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the x from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And um, this is truly a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we're with you Monday through Friday, right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, and around the world on the Digital Broadcast Network and Digital Satellite Network. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
0: Texting and for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop stop out.